Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be together today. I'm glad you could make it all here at Greater Alton Church. You're probably noticing a bunch of tables out there and a bunch of smiling faces. We're having a ministry fair today. So if it's your first time here, we're so glad you came and joined us. And I hope you, you, uh, we do. We as a Greater Alton Church hope that you will experience something here. It'll change your life. But there's a lot of different booths on some, most of the ministries we have here are covered. They give you an idea of what we're trying to do around here. And uh, what we do uh, together as a church, as well as out in the community, um, looking forward to hearing. Uh, I've got four people that are going to be talking today, so I know I've got to hurry. Okay, maybe uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, we've been talking about connections, and we've been talking about this idea of connecting, like the game Connect Four. There's a strategy when it comes to winning and making those connections. We've been looking at how God tries to connect with us. We've also looked at how can we connect with the Lord. Last week we looked at connecting with each other. And today I'd like to wrap this whole uh, series up by looking at how do we connect with the world. And again, there is a strategy, just like in the game Connect for there is a strategy in life. How do we maneuver through and make these connections? Because the Bible gives us a very unique connection when it comes to the world. If you have notes and you'd like to follow along, you can open up your bulletin, and most of the verses are in your bulletin. Let's look at this verse right here. Uh, this, is, this, this is one of a thousand different verses that mention the world. And when the Bible says something about the world, it, it, can, it could be referring to the planet or the people. The planet Earth or the people of Earth. Um, look at this where Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. He uses that term, world. Now look up here on a PowerPoint. I'm going to give you several verses uh, just to give you, let's rifle through them here, to give you an impression of, of some things the Bible says that we should be careful about when it comes to the world. See, John, uh, here's the first one, it's in First John. And John must have understood what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom is not of this world because look what he says here. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I talked to two people this week, uh, one at McDonald's. I was, I was getting with somebody and after they left, this lady stopped and said, I heard you quoting the Bible. Are you a minister? And I said, well, I try to be. Uh, why? And she said, I just wonder what your take is. I find the world evil. And then I'm putting in glass later that week at a body shop, and there's a body, uh, one of the guys that's working at a place, at a body shop says, you know, man, this world, it's getting evil, more and more evil. Well, they're agree- the Bible says it is an evil place. In fact, it's under the control of the evil one. And look at what else John says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Paul says it this way. He mentions the world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And James, look what he says about the world. Loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemies. He goes on to say this. What God the Father considers to be pure and genuine religion is this. To take care of orphans and widows in their suffering and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. Is the world bad? Absolutely. 
And, and a lot of churches, you'll hear preaching on the world. They, it's a lot of warning. Be careful. The world. Don't be corrupted. Bad company corrupts good character. Watch out for your friends. And it's, it's a legit concern. The Bible makes that clear. Well, if the world's so bad and I'm still here, am I to connect with it at all? Yes, you are. And that's what makes it such a unique connection between if you're a follower of God and the world. See, you and I are here to serve God. You and I are here to make a difference. In fact, He made us for that reason. And though God's kingdom is not of this world, it is involved in this world. It wants to be. And He wants, God wants you, if you're a part of that kingdom, to be involved as well. See, Jesus understood this, this unique, almost said weird, it's a unique connection that we have between believing and following Christ, balancing that, and connecting with the world. Look what, this is the passage everybody knows. If you don't know it, you will know it. John 3.16 God loved the world this way. He loves the world. He's not a, is, he, is His kingdom a part of this world? No, but He loves the world nonetheless. He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not die, but will have eternal life. God sent His Son, notice it says, into the world. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Look how Jesus in John 9, John records these words. Jesus said this, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. How Matthew says it. He says this about every follower and believer. You are the world's light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, just like me, I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world too. And you don't want to cover it up. You don't want to, you don't want your light to go dim. You want everybody to see it. Well, how, how do you, how do they see it, Lord? By what you do. The good things you do. And the Bible calls this ministry. Look at, again, Jesus' words here. These are one of a thousand verses in the Bible. Follow my example. Even the Son of Man did not come. Where, where, where do you, what do you mean? Where, what do you mean He come? Where did He come from? Where did He come? I know where He come from. Where did He go to? The world? He come to the world for people to serve Him. He came to the world to serve others and to give His life to save many people. See, Jesus believed in this unique connection and so much and even prayed for it. When He prayed for you and I and prayed for believers that were going to be here thousands of years later, look what He says in John 17. My prayer is not that you take them, He's talking about His followers, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I wonder why? Because He's in charge. He's in control so much. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Then he says, sanctify them by the truth. As you sent me into the world, I sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. I remember when I was a kid growing up in the back row and listening to the preacher and he'd use the word sanctified. And he even said it different than all the other words he'd say. He'd be going, and the Bible says you are sanctified. And I'd go, what is that? Why does he say it like that? Like it's like, you know, dun, 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 sanctified. You know? 
And, and, and I was like, what does this word say? I don't want it. It sounds like a disease. You know, it sounds like something, you know, I've been warned about things. And I begin to look at this word. And this word just simply means to be set apart for a special reason. It's even associated with the word holy. And so when you think about ministry as a special work, like I say when that woman said, are you a minister? And I don't know how to answer that sometimes. Why? Here's what I've learned to say over the years around here. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Well, you're paid. No, I'm not. I'm just like you. Just one of you. And we, what do we do? We serve God. And, and see, ministry sometimes is associated with this idea, oh, you're a clergy. Uh, you've went to school. Uh, you're going to see. I, I didn't do a lot of schooling, I guess, in, in, here in the next few minutes. No, I, I mean, we, we think it's for professional people. But the Bible doesn't make that distinction. The Bible, yes, the Bible makes a distinction about leadership, of course. But the Bible, when it talks about ministry, it says everybody's a minister. Everybody serves. I remember years ago we used to pass a card out that, that introduced you as a minister. A lot of people take, took them, you know, and, and used them because they'd ask maybe at the jail or someplace, are you a minister? Yes, I have my card right here. Because the Bible makes that clear. We're all servants. We're all ministers. Look what the Bible says here. Paul's talking to Timothy and he says to Timothy, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. I want you to, if you would like to circle something, circle his holy work and his plan. And he did this before the world began. It's his ministry, his work that God has chosen us and saved us for before the world began. What are you saying? You you had this plan before Adam? Yeah. And if you check Genesis 2, when Adam was created, the first thing God gives him to do is to take care of the garden, to take care of the earth. You know, being a, a steward of the earth is not a political position. I'm going to say it again. You're not crazy, radical, or nuts by loving the earth. It is a God-given responsibility for every believer here to take care of the earth. That was the first job Adam had. And yet, after, after the fall, he's told, he tells Adam and Eve, I want you to go into all the world, have dominion over the earth. Why would he give us so much power, so much choice? to take care of it. And He would give you and I this holy work, this ministry, if you will. And it's not just... It, to do what? To take care of the world. Or are you talking about the planet? Or are you talking about the people? Yes. Yes. To both of them. And how is this accomplished? It is accomplished through ministry. Now, there's two areas of ministry that I notice the Bible seems... I, I put them in two categories and two areas, okay? The first one is ministries that help those in God's family. The, what we do in the congregation. The other area of ministry is where it helps those in God's world. Not just God's family, but God's world. We have a lot of different ministries right now. That we have some people here that are guests here in the community besides uh, CIA. And uh, we hope that uh, you might uh, check those out as well. So let's talk a little bit here uh, about what what are some steps I can 
take, I really wanted just to consider something. I know some of you here might say, well, I've got my own little personal ministry. I'm serving God. And I want you to know that's, listen, I wouldn't want you to stop doing whatever that is. I'd like to encourage you to, to join in on a ministry here at Greater Alton. Uh, they, they could use your help, okay? So what kind of steps can I take when it comes to ministry, when it comes to making, uh, having a ministry that uh, makes a difference in the world? Well, let me give you these four steps. Step number one, allow God to use me in His ministry. And I want you to circle His. Allow God to use me in His ministry. Why did God save me? I've asked myself that many times. Why did God save me? Thank God there was a church that reached out to me. You know, I, I'm so thankful. I was talking to someone this week about that that baptized me. I said, man, thank you, Mike, for being the leader you were that helped Mount Carmel reach out to me. I don't know if I would have been reached any other time. And it was just at the right time. And um, why would he save me, though? Um, well, he loves me. Uh, we could say, well, he, God loves me. That's why he saved me. And he wants me to be in heaven with him. And a lot of people, that's what it's about. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, great. So what do I do in the meantime? What, what, what do I do between now and whenever that time comes that uh, I'm going to be called away? I mean, there's got to be another reason. What could that reason be? Well, see, I'm not here. I don't believe I'm here just to wait. I'm here to work. When you study your Scriptures, you find out that Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to sit around and wait or, or sit. I want you to serve. Look at the Bible says here in Ephesians 2. Paul said this, it is God Himself who made us what we are and, gave, and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, He planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. The Bible says God gave you this new life. He made you for this kind of life that's designed to make a difference. And see, you and I, this is one thing God has given you and I that nobody really can control. I know I used to, I'd tell you what, there was a time when people used to call the Greater Alton Church a cult. And I would say, we can't be a cult because nobody does what they're told. It's, and it's the truth. It's the truth. Okay? And we're still not a cult. If you ever wonder, we try, but we just can't seem to get it done. No. It just isn't going to happen. You know why? Because you possess something that's very powerful. Every one of us here, it's the power of choice. Well, what are you going to do with the life God gave you and saved you for? You get to choose. And I want to encourage you to choose ministry. That's what you were made for. That's what you were saved for. And he, God planned that long before. He wants you to use it to help others. So the question is, I just want to ask you, will you take that step? Will you allow God? Will you allow God to use you in ministry? That's the first step. It's just about allowance. Second step is ask God for guidance to find His ministry. Circle His. Ask, ask God for guidance to find His ministry. First, I allow God. And after I've said, okay, God, I want you to use me, but where? You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to in a few weeks, we're going to start a new series called Decision Making in the Will of God. We're going to be looking at how do you come to the conclusion of what to do? Some of you here go, where to go to school, where to buy a house, who to marry, you know, how to spend my money, how to spend my time, what priorities. How do you, how do you navigate through this? By the way, I just want you to know, sometimes God gives you more than one choice. It isn't always like this or that, but it's, 
when I read my scriptures, I find Satan, he gives one choice and, and Jesus has to outdo him. Well, let me give you three or four. You always get more choices with God. And, and one of the things I, I think about is, is this idea of, well, where do I serve? How does this play and where do I serve? What, what better way to use what, how God has made me and saved me for? Well, I just need to start asking God about it. Talk to God about it. Pray about it a lot. Everybody in the Bible, every significant person in the Bible that was doing accomplishing things for the, word, for the will of God have all this in common. They were asking God all the time. Moses is asking God, how can I do that? Gideon, Lord, I'll let me lay a fleece out. And Mary, how can this be? Help me understand this because I want to do what you want me to do. And it starts simply by asking. See, asking is such a powerful, powerful step because it brings clarity to what I'm supposed to do. Look at this passage here. James says this. He says, if you want to know what God wants to do, ask him. <laughs> That's pretty plain, isn't it? And he will gladly tell you. He's not going to leave you in the dark. For he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He'll not resent it. I mean, if you're going to ask God, where do I serve? He is, he is going to respond. I mean, this, he made you for that. He saved you for that. Why wouldn't he be eager to tell you right here, over here? Do this, try this. And so it's, it's, it starts with asking him. And, and I would like to dovetail in there uh, uh, something else. And that's sometimes you have to ask other people, other believers, people that know you. What do you think I should do? Well, heaven forbid we ask somebody else, well, what should I do? We're so independent. But sometimes it's good to go, well, what do you suggest? What would you urge me to try? Because they see us from a different viewpoint than we see ourselves. Maybe even a little more accurately at times. And from that, that wisdom, they're able to encourage us and talk uh, to us about, well, I think you, and they point us. I think about it in the book of Acts, in Acts 9, the Apostle Paul, Remember, he'd been praying for three days. God knocked him down, like my dad would say, off his high horse and put him on his Shetland pony. He knocked him down. He's blind for three days. He's praying for three days. What do you pray when God smacks you? What was I doing wrong? Did I make him? Did I get you upset? Is there something I need to change? I know that we can speculate, but I bet you somewhere in there, Paul is saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And the Bible says, Ananias says, Paul, God has chosen you as His instrument to spread the Gospel to the Gentiles. And he says, so what are you waiting for? Get up. Get to work. Get baptized call on, and call on His name. Sometimes it's somebody else's words that nudge us in the right direction. Step number three is aim to please God in His ministry. Circle His there's a lot of different motives people have when it comes to serving God. And the Bible does talk about this. It talks about how important it is to be uh, a certain, I guess, a, a certain way, a certain quality of a, of a Christian, of a believer, in order to be used by God. And one of those ways is aiming. Aiming and cleansing ourselves from anything that's keeping us from serving effectively. Look at this passage in 2 Timothy 2. It says here, in a large house... There are things made of gold and silver, but there are also things made of wood and clay. Some of these are used for special purposes, others for ordinary jobs. 
The Lord wants to use you for special purposes. So make yourself clean from all evil. Then you will be holy and the Master can use you. You'll be ready for any good work. You know, you think about this large house. What is it representing? A lot of people uh, have tried to take a stab at this and, and they basically all have concluded this is talking about God's house. It's talking about God's church. And it makes sense. I was talking to someone just to, uh, before church began. It, we're, you know, if, if you are a person that's opposed to organized religion, this is the church to be in. Because we are never organized. We are a mess. It's like herding bumblebees around here. It's just nearly impossible to get everybody together and lot, you know, it just isn't gonna happen. It isn't gonna happen. And I'm kinda glad it's that way. It creates, I think, a buzz. That's the way a house is. On vacation, we had seven grandchildren amongst all these adults. We, the adults had the kids outnumbered, but that didn't mean they were in control. There's a buzz in that house. And in a large house, uh, in the Lord's house, so to speak, we see this microcosm of the world. You know, Jesus talks about weeds and wheat growing up at the same time. He talks about a net that gathers a lot of fish at the same time, different kinds of fish. And so it is in God's house. We have different kinds of people. We have people at different places and different maturity levels, different ages, different likes, dislikes, different backgrounds, different experiences. It's always that way. But make no mistake, just like in your house, in a large house, there's the china and then there's the paper plates. I, I, I want you to know, this weekend, Labor Day weekend, what are we getting out? The paper plates. Because this isn't Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving you get out the good stuff. You know, you dust it off, clean it off. It's been sitting a while. Wait a minute, some of you still use paper plates. Okay, fine. You must have children. But most of the time, it's, that's the way it is. You have the silver and the gold. He says there's silver and gold in the house, and it's used for special purposes. And then there's these wooden things and clay things. And you use them every day. We don't use them for a special purpose. What I notice in this passage that, that Paul is telling Timothy, God wants to use you for a special purpose. Regardless if you see yourself as gold or silver or as wood and clay, paper, you're the paper plates of the church. God wants you to be more than a paper plate in the church. I just want to make this clear. Because he says if you cleanse yourself of the latter, of evil, what's, that, what's another word for evil? Of bad things. Like what? Well, sin. Obviously sin. There's some sinful habits that we all have that keep us from serving. Would you agree? And, and Paul says you have to deal with that. But there may not be a sinful, you know, go to hell sin that you're dealing with. It could be just a hindrance or a habit that makes ministry ineffective. And that needs to be dealt with as well. And so how, what are you talking, I'm talking about when you aim to please God, that's how you deal with it. That's how you're able to address it. See, when he talks about this special work or this special thing, he's not talking about special status or special privilege. Because you cleaned yourself up. Church, we, we get hooked on this. We're Americans. We get hooked on looking to people and going, oh man, he knows or she knows where they're, where they're going. And we get hooked up into these personalities. And Paul says, no, I'm not. Listen, this isn't about a special status or a special privilege. This is, this is about special service to God. 
And if you want to be ready for any work that He has, if you want to be used in a special way, you've got to deal with what's in the way. You've got to deal with those weaknesses. And there's two particular areas that I believe the Bible encourages us and I want to encourage you to look at and deal with and aim for when it comes to pleasing God. The first area is my heart and my motives. People serve in ministry and serve in community and serve God for all kinds of reasons. You know, there's a passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus says that some people come up to him and said, Lord, we did a lot of great things for you. And he says, I never knew you. How's that so? How's that possible? Their motive was somewhere else. Their heart was somewhere else. They were doing the things of God, but it became a work or it became something expected or it was maybe for a purpose of impressing somebody or maybe they were so frightened they thought they better do it. There's all kinds of motives people have when it comes to serving, especially in ministry. But the best one, the best, the best by far is when you aim to please God. Even when you're helping people, I want you to know I get I get excited when I help somebody. When I serve somebody and I've eased their pain, oh my goodness, it's exciting. And that and that's a great motive to have, but there's something even better, and that's pleasing God. Look at what the Bible says here up here on the screen in Colossians. Paul says, Whatever work you do, put yourself into it as those who are serving not merely other people, but the Lord. He says, Man, remember you're doing this for the Lord. You're doing this for the Lord. Because when you remember you're doing it for the Lord, you don't have to have a pat on the back. You don't have to have somebody to recognize you. You don't have to have somebody coddle you and keep you motivated. Amen, Walls. I'm telling you, that's true. You know it's true. Now, when it's about the Lord, Everything takes care of itself. That's the first thing. The second area that I think we have to address is our skills. And look at this passage here up on the screen. Skilled workers will always serve kings. And that's true. When you work on your skills, guess what? You'll get to do more special work. You'll get to do some special work because you're working on your people skills or on your, your, your talents and your abilities and you hone them and you work on them so you can even be more effective. It's amazing. I've watched several of you here. One of the great things about serving is it addresses this skill level, this skill set. And as you serve and as you work on it, you get better at it. And it actually improves your life. And, and that's one of the things I hope you'll, you'll consider as you think about aiming to please God means, okay, God, what else, what else can I do besides work on my heart? Well, work on your hands too. Work on your skills. The abilities I give you, use them. Don't waste them. Use them. Don't don't sit there and do nothing with them. Get in the game. Here's step four, and then let's close this out here. And that's anticipate God to bless His ministry. Would you circle His? You say, Tim, I noticed something. There's a pattern. And what's that pattern? His, His ministry, His ministry. Did you notice that? It's not my ministry. It's His ministry. If I do my ministry, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to experience. I'm not going to really change much of the world. But when it's His ministry I'm after, man, things really can really pop in my life. Let me give you a, a, some, a list of things that what happens when you serve in God's ministry. Because there's a lot of things that happen. Number one, I glorify and honor God. That the Bible teaches. Number two, it gives proof that my faith is alive. If you want to know if somebody's faith is alive, the, James says it's by action. You know, you can't serve God sitting in a seat unless, of course, you're driving a truck for church on the street. Then I guess you you could say that, okay? Number three, uh, ministry blesses my life. It really, I heard somebody say this one time, it really is the answer to materialism and selfishness. 
Because when you're out there giving, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. You do a bless. Do I get blessed when I have things given to me? Yeah. But man, I get blessed so much more when I begin to give. Here's a fourth one. Ministry gives God's message power. Incredible power. You know, listen, church, people hear what you do. They can't miss it. A lot of our words may go in one ear, not the other, but seeing is still believing. It makes a big difference. When people see you do stuff, they, and you, you know, you can try to explain what, why you believe what you believe and oh, you'll get somebody who'll be able to explain it away. But they cannot explain away why you do what you do. They can only guess. When you're doing stuff out of love for God, it stumps them. And, uh, it's, it's a blessing. Remember, here's another one. Ministry squelches the influence of God's critics. I wish I could say it silences them. The Bible does say you'll silence their foolish talk. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk to the Lord about this in heaven because I know some critics that keep talking. They won't shut up. They've always got something they want to criticize us for or criticize you for. But ministry sure does squelch their influence when they start opening up their yapper to their friends. They go, wait a second. I don't know if that's true because I've seen these people. I know these people. And their ministry puts legs and power into their message. Here's another one. Ministry deepens my understanding and gratitude of God's love. When I'm serving, I find I, I discover, I soon discover how much God has served me. When he said he came to seek and save and he came to serve others, and I realize God serves me, it deepens my love and gratitude because it takes a lot of love and gratitude to serve other people. And I discover how much God does the same for me. Here's another one. Ministry is the ultimate way I imitate Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to do this. What I just did, I want you to do it. You want to imitate Christ? Oh man, just do what He does. Imitate His ministry and watch what happens. Ministry also makes the Gospel attractive. It makes it extremely attractive. Uh, Christianity is not very pretty right now. Have you noticed that? A lot of people are really putting, it, putting down Christianity, Bible people. Well, let me tell you, ministry makes the Gospel, the good news, so attractive. Not judging people. Not busting people out all the time. Not being critical of how things are. It's when we share Christ. It really does make a huge difference. It makes the Gospel attractive. Here's another one. Ministry expresses my love for God and for others. You know, John says we should put not just love with words, but with action. I love compassion and action. I thought that was a great title and a great idea to, that describes that ministry. And so, it, so the, the idea that when I want to express my love, just start serving. Here's another one. Ministry improves the health of my church. I will say this. Greater Rollins has been sick for a while. Have you noticed that? We've been sick a while. And when, but I'll tell you whatever, I start seeing the health of the church start ramping up and start taking a step up when it begins to serve. I've watched it as, as some of these ministries in COVID, man, really was a, what a mess. But now we're seeing ministries starting up again. That mom's ministry that started up. Man, I'm so glad they started that thing up. And you know, that was exciting. And the kids ministry, watching that going on. And then going and seeing the campus ministry. And then uh, Passion in Action. And you read all about what they're doing. And it just goes on and on. And then you start looking at some of the ministries that kept going on under the radar. No one noticed, like our prayer ministry like church on the streets. Some of these that were just, I mean, just still cranking away, still, still the first impressions ministry, still trying to have a warm welcome here and, st and still trying to make that go. And you see the health of the church start happening. 
I, I can't I can't say this enough. A little decision today makes big impact. A small decision to say I'm going to get involved in ministry. If you decide to do that, the health of the church will take a humongous step up. How do you know that, Tim? All I said to myself one day was, I'm going to stop drinking soda. I feel fantastic. I quit eating so much bread. My body took a ramp up. Went to the doctor. What have you been doing to yourself? And I said, well, I quit dr- drinking soda and I've quit drink, uh, eating so much bread. Now, every once in a while, i got to have a McDouble. Sometimes I'm naughty. But can I tell you, it's made a big difference in my life. I know some of you are going, oh, are you dying? I had somebody come up to me and say, Tim, are you okay? You look like you're dying. Thanks. And welcome to Greater Alton Church. <laughs> Crying out loud. But no, I feel, I feel fantastic. Now watch me drop dead next week. But I feel fantastic right now. And, 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 I, and I'm just simply saying is, one little act, once I say little, I don't even want to belittle it. When you decide, I'm going to, invest in this congregation. I'm going to get involved in a, in a ministry here. It helps the church's health grow. It, just, it takes a step up. That's what the Bible says. As each part does its work, it helps the church grow. Another thing ministry does, it changes the world. Jesus said, go into all the world and teach the gospel. And I'll tell you, it takes servants to do that. It takes courageous people to do this. People of faith to do this. And when they do, and they say no to themselves and say yes to the gospel and yes to the Great Commission, guess what happens? The world begins to change. It begins to shudder and begins to adjust and move in the right direction. And the last thing is that ministry brings personal satisfaction. There's just something about fulfilling what God made me to be. I've said this a hundred times. I'll say it again. I don't mind saying it. I like me better when I'm serving. I feel more satisfied about life when I'm serving, when I, when I, after I've helped somebody, after I've sacrificed something, like David Letterman says, I'm tired, but it's a good tired. I would, it's a, it's, I'm not, I don't knock it. I like it. I love it. And I would encourage you to get involved. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 28. You can anticipate, church, that God's going to bless His, His ministry. He may not bless your ministry, but He will bless His. Look what the Bible says here. Those who trust in the Lord are rewarded. There's a couple of things I heard years ago I'll never forget. One of them was, don't ask God to bless what you do, but ask God to do what He blesses. Big difference. God, what do you want me to do that you'll bless? Versus, hey, I'm doing this, bless it. And the other thing I thought was interesting as I saw this passage I heard years ago is, God doesn't sponsor flops. He doesn't sponsor flops. When you, when you take on and get involved in a ministry, he, that's his ministry now. He promises to bless it. He wants it to succeed. So he'll use every resource and every talent, every bit of energy to make sure it happens. When you do it for him, when you give your life to ministry for the Lord, he promises to reward it. My dear, this is therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You're not wasting your time. You ever felt like that? I felt that way. Maybe I'm just wasting my time doing this. The Bible says, knock it off, Tim. You never waste your time. And you never waste your time either when you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord's. But it's His ministry. Look at Hebrews 6 here. 
God is fair. He'll not forget what you've done. I know a lot of people say, yeah, He won't. He'll remember everything you ever did. Ah. Well, that's not what He's meaning here. He'll not forget what you've done. He'll remember the love you have shown Him. Notice, you've shown Him. How have I shown love to you, Lord? Oh, you showed it when you helped His people. And you showed it when you keep on, you show it when you keep on helping them. Let me ask you as we close here, how are you serving the Lord right now? Are you involved in a ministry at Greater Alton? I want to encourage you to consider one. Consider serving in a ministry in a specific way. Maybe it doesn't have to be out front. I get it. You know, when I first became a Christian, I operated a lot of puppets. You probably go, I could have guessed it. They put me in the back with the kids, with the crazy kids, and I was doing puppets and object lessons and all kinds of crazy stuff back there. I taught a bunch of little kids' classes. I wasn't out in front of the church. I wasn't. I didn't have. I, sometimes I, we're, we're painting a room. Would you like to help? I would help where needed. I, I, I kept. That's why church center. Getting involved in, in that church center that we have that plant to plan things, you'll hear things come across like a news bulletin. Hey, there's some people getting together for this or there are people doing that. How can I help? How can I help? How can I volunteer? I mean, would you just consider that? Consider it this morning. Like Cassie, I did, Cassie, I forgot. you got three ministries you're involved in. Man, we're overworking you. Well, maybe not. I'm going to think it's awesome. What can you improve in your life? What is something that God's calling you? I need to cleanse myself of this so He can use me. He can use me more or again. And maybe you know, I just want to encourage you. Ask God today. Allow God today. Ask Him. Aim for what's best. Aim for the best possible motive you can. And then expect Him. Expect Him to bless His ministry. And thank you for coming this morning. We're going to have all the, the, this booths are going to be out here this week and next week. So you can look and you maybe need a week to think. We would love for you to sign up for any of those. Um, let's pray and we'll, uh, after we pray, we'll have a song and uh, conclude our services today. Father, thank you for serving by sending your son. Father, you've made the world. The world got all sideways and then you promised to come to the world. And Father, when Your Son came, when You came in the flesh, Father, You didn't love the things of the world. You just loved the world so much that You would serve and sacrifice so the world could be saved. And Father, we know it's through His, Your Son's ministry, His example of serving that You're calling us to this morning. And Father, I pray that You'll help us, some of us here, just to allow You to work in some place, some some avenue, in some way, Father, I pray that you that uh, those of us, some of us here, will start asking, and that you'll gladly answer where they could serve. Father, I pray that you'll help us aim for the best motive in the world. That we do this for you. That we do this totally for you. And Father, because we know when we do that, when we just allow you and ask and aim and we get in the game father we know we can anticipate 
You're going to bless us in some way. I know some of us here, Father, haven't been in a ministry in a long time. We haven't had a ministry for a long time. A ministry fair. And so, Father, we pray that this will kickstart and maybe uh, initiate some thoughts of service in Your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.